What's up? This is Dom, and this is, <laughs> and we are the, the Cash, Cash Geeks, Geeks Network. Network. Thanks for joining the show, guys. Tonight, we really are bringing the fire to you guys. We're bringing an individual that's very, very experienced for many years in all aspects of real estate. He's got well over 200 rentals, I believe very close to 300. Could be more. Who knows how many he's buying each and every day. His name is Terry Summers. You guys may be familiar with him. And if not, then you definitely in for a treat. So Warren, bring him on in. Terry, what's, what's, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. Cool. How's the how's the weather out there in Columbus these days? It was freezing when I was there. Man, uh, you know what? Actually, today it was like seventy, so I got on some some shorts, t-shirt. You know, Jesus, uh, casual, dude. casual. It's like uh, we can actually tacos outside. It's nice. Uh, you can't uh, wait to move to Florida and hang out with us, dude. <laughs> One of these days, man. Actually, when I got first got started in real estate, that was like the dream, and. You know, I just keep uh, the market so good here. I just keep getting stuck and stuck and stuck. But you know, we're uh, we're on the up and up. So I just awesome, uh, I'll come man. down every, uh, about every other week. Yeah, man. I was I was uh, raised in Florida, so seventy for me is cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Man. We I, I took out a I've got a, um, a, a old school classic car. I just bought. I busted out for the day, and you know, then it'll it'll probably snow later on this week. I think it's supposed to get down in the 30s so i have to put it back in and yeah man it's, it's being like, that it's columbus powerful. has some brutal weather when you guys get a nice day did you ever run into a scenario where you you bust out that nice car at the top down and then it rains on your ass you know i i've done that man i have done that um uh one of them i've got uh, two convertibles but uh one of them's a t-top um but yeah the t-top it's like old school you got to take it off and then if it starts raining all of a sudden then you get rained on because you got to, you know, put them back on or go back to the house to put them back on. So, yeah, it, so, Cool. So I really want to let everyone know that's going to jump in or that's jumping in. I want them to know, like, how much of a real estate monster you are because you've been in the game for years. Oh, you've got man. lots of rentals and we really need to dig in. So give us a little bit of background, man, if you don't mind, like how you got into real estate and what drove you in the direction that you've gone in. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh, yeah, look, we'll dig, man. Um so yeah, th uh, at this point, I always considered myself like a buy and hold investor. Uh, at this point, mm -hmm. we have just north of 250 rentals. Um, those are all single family. I actually sold all of my apartments uh, earlier this, uh, over the last two years. But, um, wow. but yeah, man, um, we, uh, we flip houses. Um, right now we have 32 flips on our inventory, uh, inventory bucket. Um, we do wholesale some. Uh, I, I always use the analogy we wholesale to keep the lights on and keep everything. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, uh, the biggest thing is, uh, buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold, and then, you know, just flip to keep, um, it, it's like a giant circle. You know, you want to flip to be able to run, to be able to take that income to buy more rentals. You want to be able to use the rental income and the rental refinances and the rental equity to be able to funnel back in the stock market, crypto, alternative investments. Do you then borrow and leverage again to keep your business going and growing? And it's just like the, the real estate and investment circle of life. But I mean, I've been in the game for 10 years, man. And, uh, you know, I first started, it was, uh, it was one rental FHA house hack situation. Mm. You buy, bought for 80,000, live in it while you're fixing it up type of thing. Um, you know, you get your three and a half percent down, you put some money into it, it appraises out for more, you pull out the cash and then you just keep going. But have you done that style of a transaction more than once? Dude, I have moved. 
me and my uh, me and my wife have uh, we were counting the other day. We're like, because we're getting ready to move again. Um, hopefully into like a five-year house, not, not a, not a six month or two year house, but I think we've moved. Well, I've personally moved since I was 22, I think 13 times just into different rental, um, different FHA house. Yeah. Duplexes, that whole thing. But yeah, it's it's a strategy. I don't understand why more people don't use that or they're like, Oh man, like, you know, I can't sell the wife on it or I can't do this. Like, dude, sell your wife on getting a new experience or having a new place to live or, Hey, this guy, it's a different area of town, you know, like sell them on experience. Like it's the easiest way. Oh, so give me an example. What, what do you say to your wife that will allow you to move <laughs> as often as you do? Well, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have to start doing that until maybe 2016 when <laughs> After we were the 10th move, <laughs> but yeah, After like the fourth you know, like, wife. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know, this this property, like uh, we had one property, for instance, I believe in 2015, I bought for $198,000 um, uh, right in the middle of downtown and ended up putting like 60 into it and appraised out at 475. I, you know, at that point in time, like that was, I mean, it's, st- it's still a lot of money, right? So we were able to yes. pull, I was able to pull like a $225,000 line of credit at 3%. The payments are $800 a month to use you know, $225,000, $230,000, what are you going to do? You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm property. That's a no brainer. Right, right, right. So when did you start feeling like you were getting momentum? Because I know when you do one house and your second house and your third house in the beginning, it can really feel like a grind. When do you think you felt like you were getting momentum and making some headway? Um, I think I think there's two 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 parts. Uh, one was when I actually started wholesaling, which wasn't until 2018, because I went I met Carlos, Sal, and Alex um, in Phoenix and joined their program. I was like, yeah, I gotta I gotta learn how to quit like uh, you know giving these deals to other people and learn how to actually monetize these things. But when I learned how to wholesale, that was a like, huge. And then right around that time too, I decided. I think in 2018, I had, I don't know, 140 units, something like that. And I ended up bringing the property management in-house, not meaning like me doing it, but actually building a team to, to do it right. and all that stuff. But when I hired a team um, and started actually bringing people in the organization, like that was, that was a game changer. And not just like maintenance people, but actual, you know, office, employees, people that were here every day. That was, those are the two biggest game changers was A, learning how to wholesale so then that way I could use this income to be able to buy more rentals. I wasn't just waiting on the monthly rental income to be able to buy more rentals or right, right. stuff or education income or whatever. Got this honey pot over here. I can just keep funneling back in. Um, that was a game changer, man. But the, the, the biggest one, though, is just hiring people, man, because you have to be better, too. You can't just go and you know rope and ride like a cowboy anymore. You have to start putting in systems, processes. You can't just say, oh, well, this is how I do it. Like you have to really tighten up your ship in order to get people to stay or else they just feel like everything's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it forces you to level up, forces you to be better. Um, I think that's something that's not talked about enough when you have a team is it it, it makes you a, a better and more effective leader. That's a great yeah. example. We hear them out there saying lead from the front, mm-hmm. but you really have to be probably the best if not one of the best examples for your people of all of the rules that you set. right like what does the right. rule even mean if you as a leader are not prepared to follow it or abide by it yeah no, no doubt no doubt i mean you know when when uh when i first started bringing people in the office which was like 20 <laughs> i think 
Um, now hired a property manager, which I realized very quickly was, you know, I was overpaying people, uh, someone to basically manage property. And I'm like, okay, well, you can create a system and use VAs and all that stuff. But um, then I had, uh, had my wife come on board, had, you know, a couple of maintenance people brought on a leasing agent, uh, acquisition. So I was just bringing in all these different positions. But uh, what I realized, man, is, you know, people have to know exactly what you expect of them. You know, they have to know exactly what you need them to do. They have to be bought into your vision. They have to want to stay. So, I mean, how many people get into a real estate company and they're like, oh, well, you know, this person will stay with me for six months and then they go and start their own thing. How many times right. do we hear? <clears throat> but you oh, build yeah. your every, every so, six months. Dude, every six. Yeah, you, you got turnover, right? I mean, this is the biggest bit. Like, this is like bars and restaurants, man. It's like you got yeah. turnover every six months. Because um, we do have a resolution for that, Terry. But we need partners like you to help us with it. Are you down? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> that was not a yes. But, uh, you know, we need power players like you and people like people like us that chip in for a salary for our own Ray Donovan. Yeah. And he can go out yeah. there and solve problems. You ever see that show on Showtime? No, dude. No, Basically, he's a, he's a really high level uh, freelancer. He's a fixer. Yeah, he's a fixer and a cleaner. He solves the problem for high high level millionaire individuals. Okay. He solves your problems outside of um, IRS documentation. Yeah. That makes sense. Gotcha. <laughs> cool, Probably man. We might have talked about the show Billions, but for a second, I was like, all right, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. So, one thing that was really interesting, dude, it's funny because uh, some people think. It's normal to go in the other direction, but you went in a different direction. You said you sold your apartments and you kept the single family homes or you're focused on the single family homes. What made you decide to go into that direction of things? So for me, like I looked at our portfolio, you know, at, at, one, t at one point um, last year, I mean, we had 330 plus units and a mix of uh, apartments and single family. And I started looking at our apartments and I was looking at where we had the highest turnover where we had uh, the most amount of work orders, all this types of stuff. And it ended up that um, our apartments were 40% were of our portfolio and taking up almost like 65, 70% of our issues. Give you an example. The average stay in our single family homes right now to date as of uh, last month is 4.6 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our average stay in an apartment at the time last year before we sold them, uh, before I sold all of them off the beginning of the year, was less than two years. It was like 19 months. Wow. We're no. staying four years in a house. They're staying not even like a year and a half in an apartment. Where are you really making money over the long term, right? Right. Plus, right. I'm really, really bullish on single family. I mean, who are we selling to right now? Yeah. We're selling to Wall Street, right? right I mean, up. everyone else trying to get in multifamily, but yet you have like these hedge funds that are buying up properties, swarms of properties, and it's like, why are we not? They figured out how to manage all this shit, right? I mean, I had a lady, uh, my very first like mentee, she called me today. I haven't talked to her in like two, three years. Um, husband's a doctor. They ended up stacking up, I think, like 24 or 28 units. And they, were, they weren't cash flowing. And they're like, we don't understand. We're not cash flowing, yada, yada, yada. And granted, wrong scale, 28 units. I, I wouldn't buy 28 units. It's a, There's some management inefficiencies with that. But um she ended up selling it, making seven hundred grand, and she only owned them for a couple years. Yeah, I'm like wow. why? At, at at that point, you're like, all right, well, let's let's take the money, right?
Did, did um, she do but, anything to to uh, force the appreciation on that, or was just the market held, increase? Held, just held. Wow. And but but she's not cash flowing, right? And and so I and I not that we didn't cash flow off of them, but I just looked at you know with the single family homes, we're making way more money. Like our IRRs on the single family are way higher than they were on the apartments. The right. apartment, you know. I'm, constantly have all this turnover and I have this increased maintenance, whereas like my maintenance on single families are way lower. Like I'm, I'm having like a five or 7% expense load um, on the maintenance side, whereas the apartments I'm having, you know, 10, 12, 15, because I'm constantly turning stuff over. Right. Uh, plus a single family, you're getting appreciation two ways over. Um, you're getting appreciation from, you know, the upping the rents, you know, if, if your appraiser is coming in and appraising um, on the income approach, but you're mm -hmm. also this wave right now where people want single family homes and you get it on the sales comparison approach too. So you're getting appreciation two ways over. So. Yeah, no, that's huge. I, I recently saw, I think it was like a post or, or, or an article or something. And it, it was basically saying like, if, unless your tenant is staying for two and a half years plus, you're not making money on, on your rentals. Nah. Um, you're just, you're just eating it all in like, turn fees and you know management release and all that stuff um yeah so i it, it was interesting to see that article i think it was like a a bigger pockets thing or something but somebody put you know like you know they they calculated their whole portfolio and and anything under it was like 2.5 or 2.6 uh years of a tenant um for them to actually cash flow well um, other than that, you know, someone stays for a year or, or whatever, then you're. Yeah, you're but I, I agree with you, man. But on the flip side, you can't be one of those. Uh, you, you can't be a landlord or an, or, or an owner and manage scared either. I mean, that's who we buy properties right. from. Right, right. Yep, yep. I don't understand. Well, they never pay rent. We, it's probably because they've paid the same rent for 16 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Buy properties from. So we're all we run it like a giant apartment complex. We're increasing rents. We're always value adding. We're figuring out how to add value to properties. Mm. You know, if uh, if you have to, you know, put a bunch of capex into property, you pull your credit lines. Boom, you move them over. You move them into the properties. The banks are working together with you because the banks they want they don't want to see these huge equity positions. Believe it or not, yeah, they want you to be able to keep sticking money back in these properties because they ever they ever have to take them back. They want to be able to have a good product to take back. So yeah. when there's and you know you at 40% or 50%, they're like, Hey, like, you know, do you need some money? Like we want to make sure that over time you're keeping these things up. So can you give me, um, some examples of what it means to manage scared? Are you talking about individuals that are afraid to increase rents or that are really watching their pennies or they're afraid to pull credit lines and fix the places up because they, they want savings, they want their cash or they want to save their equity. Or what do you mean by that? For sure. So I, I think um, people look at, I think, rentals in one one dimension. They look at rentals as cash flow. And that, that's mm -hmm. what's been ingrained in all of our heads is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. I get it. Cash flow is king. Right. But also, too, you got to look at the future appreciation. That's another way that you make money mm -hmm. that you make money on the debt pay down. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're making money on um, by not paying taxes on the money that you make. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're actually paying taxes with depreciation, you're doing something wrong, right? So when you really look at your internal rate of return on these properties, if you can keep them up, 
you know, but you can't just siphon out all the cash flow all the time and never chunk some back in right. because yeah. now instead of, you know, being worth what everything else on the street is, it becomes the dud on the street. And then you're going to have to go stick in 30, 40, 50 grand back into this property at some point. Whereas if you would just take, I don't know, a couple grand, keep it up over time, you know, <clears throat> exterior is good. Make sure you, you know, your, your roof's good, do your inspections, all those types of things. It's not going to degrade it were to the point to where someone wants to move out and then you're left with 30, 40 grand to fix it up, fix it back yeah. up. You know, one thing we were wondering because we're starting to hold some property now is Hell yeah. Um, if your plan is if your plan is keeping it for the long term, especially with someone whose intention is to build a really large portfolio, do you keep them? Do you have your properties on CapEx schedules like, all right, I bought this. We just changed the roof. I have a reminder. I have a software that's going to tell me in 20 years I need to inspect the roof or whatever. Do you have like them all on CapEx schedules on when you're going to check the plumbing or replace the roof or the windows or whatever the case may be? So what we do is, uh, and man, like we, uh, I always want to do these inspections every six months, but we're always, we're always growing. Mm -hmm. um, so what, I just hired an inspection company to go into everything mm -hmm. and do it because we, you know, we're like, oh, we're always growing, always, always behind the eight ball. So then what they did is the inspection company, they went and took a record of all the furnaces, all the ACs, the roof, plumbing, all this stuff, right? Now, this is not stuff you want to give to your insurance company. I probably shouldn't say that, but. It's not stuff you want your company to see, but this is some inter this is internal documentation that you now have that you can plug into your app folio or whatever property oh, management. Cool. And you could say, oh, well, this roof's on its last leg. Hey, this is on its last leg. And then you can start to forecast what your CapEx schedule is going to look right. Where, it's like most people will run their business and say, oh, well, shit, the, the roof, the roof went bad. I got to pay, you know, six, seven grand for that. I'm not cash flowing. Well, you weren't expecting it, right? But that's stuff that you're going to have to expect at some point. So right, that right. that was a game. And we hired that inspection company to come in and do all that stuff. And then it was no work on us. All we had to do is have a VA just transcribe all this stuff in the app folder. Right. And it was Dude, I like that idea. Yeah, that's just really having cool. your stats on all your on all your houses. And then you know when to do it, when it's time to do an insurance claim, right? Yeah. Dude, you could take all this stuff too, plug it into Excel in Excel format. And then, I mean, you can play with it. I mean, we haven't gotten that far into it, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about forecasting, man. Like you got to know, like, like I know every Friday exactly how much money's coming in. We close all our deals every Friday. It's one thing I do different. And I know exactly what we're selling, what we're buying, <clears throat> coming in, how much money's coming out, um, it, all the, all that stuff. But that way we can forecast, you know, four five, six weeks out with exactly what's going to be coming in, what's going to be going out. Right. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You said around sometime in 2018 is when you started wholesaling and flipping or were you flipping before that? Dude, um, I had flipped a couple houses. Um, I'm talking maybe a, a handful a year for okay. from like 2013 to like 2017. Um, I always hated it because I'm like, I got to pay taxes. Like I could have just borrowed 80 because they were given 80 percent loans back then. I could have borrowed 80 percent right. tax free. Um, I don't know. I just, I didn't like, then I was always under the gun to like sell it. Then there was no cash flow, and mm -hmm. I don't just, my mindset wasn't there, but yeah, actual just wholesaling. Um, I wholesaled my first deal in 2017 and 2018. Actually, I, I, I got to tell you this story. The first deal I ever wholesaled, I made $155,000. Jeez. <laughs> on a hundred, 
So I was trying to take down this 121 apartment unit complex and it, it just, it was like sticks and bones. That's all this place was. Right. Couldn't get the deal closed. Um, ended up making a phone call to a guy I knew was going to be able to buy it and had the means and we were at the end of the contract. So he, he beat me down, you know, whatever that, that apartment complex ended up appraising out, I think for like 8 million bucks. So I got 155 on probably four, 4 million of uh, forced appreciation. Um, but that was what like, really, I was like, man, at least if I can't close it, I need to learn how to make a system around this stuff. And right. you make coin doing it. I mean, you got, I mean, you're crushing it doing wholesale. So, so, so let me get this. You got beat down on that deal and made 155k. Yeah, that's so, what. It, so if, if he if he took your asking price, what would you have made? I wanted like 500. I wanted so I had it in contract for 950. I wanted 15 for it, and he got me down. I think it was like uh, like one like 1.95 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I lost into it and whatnot, but yeah, man, um, it. That's good, man. That's a great first deal, man. I'm like, if I could have just put deals under contract and just wholesale them, if I can't close them, I guess it's a no brainer, man. Yeah. (laughs) I got to learn how to do this shit. That's awesome. Okay. I have, I have a weird question. You mentioned you only close deals on Friday. Yeah. So why, why, why do you do that? Um, just systematic, man. So like what, I was actually, um, I was at a mastermind in San Diego with Carlos and Sal and those guys. And I had brought in a mobile notary to close three, three deals. And I had to schedule it. I had to have the mobile notary come in. And I thought I was sweet, right? I was like, yeah, I'm stopping the mastermind, close all these deals. You know, I'm big cheese. And then I realized, dude, that's not cool. Like, why are people <laughs> on closing these deals? Like, and then I was like, oh man, I'll do a virtual closing. And then I was like, well, wait, I got to do I got to stop what I'm doing. I have to, I still have to schedule all these closings. I'm like, well, that sucks. Why am I doing that? So then what I went to is said, I said, Hey, we're closing all of our deals on Friday between the hours of two and 4 PM. If they can't meet that, then it's got to close the very next Friday. And just to make it systematic. And then it's the point now where we have our, um, our staff accountant and uh, my wife that are authorized signers under a certain amount. So then on Monday, what we, what we do is we gather all our HUDs for that particular week. We figure out what our net's going to be on the sells and on the buys. Then we know that by Friday, we know exactly where our cash position is going to be to close those deals. And then wife or staff account will close the deals. I don't do anything. And then it's just done. Sweet, sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife's an authorized signer, but only for deals under 20K. <laughs> <laughs> I did a, I did over, I did 250 on five. <clears throat> Oh shit! Yeah, rest so in peace, brother. Trouble, but rest you know. in peace, brother. <laughs> hey, um, so back to the um the original part of this segment that we're talking about. So you you wholesaled your first deal. You wanted to learn how to do this shit. Um, what did you do next? What did you do next to to get deeper in wholesaling and flipping? Dude, I um, dude, I I, I went to uh, there was a guy in Columbus by the name of Mark Evans, and Mark he Evans. was. Man in Columbus, like he he ran Columbus, and he always wholesaled all these deals for big massive profits. And I'm like, what is he doing that? I mean, that you know, we we all can't figure out. Mm-hmm. So I went to a couple of his workshops, and I got intrigued. I started studying it, 
And then I was like, dude, I just need to hire a mentor. And that's when, you know, I got linked up with some guys out, out in the guys in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, you know, I, you get to a certain point, man, where you try to figure all this stuff out and you're like, screw it. I don't know what I'm doing here. You know what you're doing. Let me just pay you. Let me mm-hmm. make sure that you're legit, whatever, but sure. just pay you, dude. And then let me take your blueprint. You're going to save me so much time. Yep. And that yeah. was, that was it, dude. And now it's like anything I want to do. I'm like, dude, how much can I pay you? Great. Cool. Oh, uh, we're Done. the same. We probably, we're probably like 60, 70 grand in this year alone on yeah. education and stuff like that. Fortunately. Yeah, I it's good. It. We're, we're, we're looking so for the shortcuts. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. You're thick on that, right? 100%. Like, I mean, dude, I mean, even the little thing, like, um, like that deal closing scenario, right? I was running around like a banshee signing all these deals, you know, if you're doing, you know, four to 10 a week, you're like doing this. I'm like, why don't we just process this thing? You know, and it, it's like anything, dude. And then you start having less decisions to make. You start systemizing. You start, you know, um, making your time a priority, which I never really did. I'm like, yeah, I'll just run around and, you know, I can do everything. I'm Superman, dude. Like, the quicker you realize you're not Superman and let down your ego and just realize that you can only make so many decisions in a day, the the, the better off you are. Mm. Cool. So you got linked up with the guys in Arizona. You got deep, deeper into sourcing your own deals. Um, yeah. is, is that kind of the start of what really started ramping up your business, bringing in cash from the active part of, of those transactions? Um, y- uh, yeah. And, uh, yes and no. Um, okay. I mean, dude, there, so you got to think, I've been buying properties since two, 2011. Right. Um, you know, I'm always refinancing stuff. And the longer you, you own these things, the more you can refinance out. So I, I, there, there was uh, 2017, I actually, the building I'm in right now, my office building, um, I bought this thing for 220, had like 300 into it and appraised it a million bucks. So my, my cash out refi check was like 470. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that yeah. helped. Um, you know, I had another big refi that was, I think like 314 grand um, that year as well. And then, you know, just when I started realizing, like, I can refi this stuff all the time if need be, but be disciplined to not need it. Mm-hmm. Just a combination of, of the money flows, man, being able to refinance stuff, but then you're still cash flowing every month. And you're like, oh, well, this is only how fast I can go. But then once you add in the wholesaling stuff, you're like, okay, well, if you, even if you wholesale 50 grand a month or 100K a month, like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I know for a lot of people, it's a lot of money. And I know you guys are doing astronomical numbers, right? But, you know, for someone that's even like 50 grand, like, dude, that gives you another couple of Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Those are, you know, if, even if you're using hard money, that gives you down payments for rentals. You yep. can use it. How you, want. you know, if you screw up in your business or you <laughs> or whatever, you're, you're able to dig yourself out of that hole. Right, right. Right. Cool, man. So are you deep in Columbus or do you do transactions in different parts of Ohio or in other States? Man, um, I, I'm so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Columbus, like 100%. I, uh, I would love to do like bigger deals. Like if, if there was a great apartment deal or a great portfolio deal in another major Metro, I'd be all about it. Hmm. Um, just for me, um, I don't know. I, we've, we tried to go wide with, you know, wholesaling in different markets, uh, bought some stuff in other markets. And I realized I was trying to do all this different stuff and, I ended up actually not doing very much at all. It's like mm-hmm. that whole, you know, go, go deep, not wide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. You know, 
similar thing in Columbus. It works. It runs. Um, I mean, I would. I'm not opposed to it. It's just, you know, it's it's got to make sense. It's got to be. There's got to be enough juice or a, a big enough deal. Like someone had a hundred unit portfolio deal in Cincinnati or Indianapolis or you know wherever. I I would say okay, yeah, let's try to figure out a way to do that deal. Gotcha, gotcha. So all of your single family homes are pretty much in or around Columbus. In Columbus, man. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So do you have like a deal per block? <laughs> property per block? <laughs> There's uh we've got a couple streets. Dude, he has his own zip code, bro. <laughs> man, there was uh we we there was at one point there we had uh twenty three houses on the street called Champion South Champion in Columbus. Mm. And um yeah, every time like someone come through like another deal on Champion, I'm like, yeah, yeah. There, there's bad to that though too because if you if you run the whole block you're not getting that sales comparison appreciation right mm-hmm. if you own everything you can't ride anyone else's wave because right right you bad, gotta control right? your own wave yeah at that point which yeah is, which, which is your you're now fighting yourself yeah yeah, yeah. which was That's what funny. these funds do. you know they come in and own whole neighborhoods and they're like yeah we'll just we'll create our own comps right right but, that's crazy. But yeah, man, yeah uh, I'm, I'm just happy. We, we, so we own a house on Hennessy. So that's like the coolest house we have just because it's on, on Hennessy Street. I love whatever. that. I would yeah. love to have a, uh, one on Tangeray Street. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. So I have a quick question. So you're buying rentals, right? And you're still buying rentals. How does somebody yeah. like you and, and your level buy rentals? Like, are you... Um, getting like you know dscr loans are you you know flipping houses and then refinancing uh you know getting hard money loans you know you you put the hard money into it renovate it pull out your money doing the burr method um are you you know like what what does that look like or is it all the above uh i I would say d all the above i'm not a huge fan of those uh those hedge fund dscr loans um, one of the things I'm huge, like we talked about, like refinancing and repeating, like refinance, refine, like I try to be as disciplined to not do that stuff all the time. But if you're in one of those DSCR loans, dude, you're, they have your equity trapped for five years. They have those right. five, <clears throat> you're, you're, you're kind of stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to make sure my portfolio and my loans are fluid. So what I do is I go to these small local community banks and I make relationships with all these banks. So um uh, here i'll this is a nugget by the way at, like if oh give, give me some nuggets anyone that's watching this needs to write this down so if you're in a major metro go outside your major metro to where these small banks are in these surrounding counties talk to those mm-hmm. banks guess where they're trying to do business in that major metro in the major market yeah yeah, yeah. exactly now you're gonna they're gonna be smaller so you're gonna tap out with them they're gonna have these legal lending limits but um, you know, you can leverage up. I mean, there's one we're working with right now. They'll go up to like 30 million. I'm like, yeah, we're, 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 we're good, man. Yeah. Let's, let's keep running loans. But yeah, I mean, a combination, man, I used to, uh, you try to use, uh, all private money. I, I like using hard money. I don't mind it because it's systematic. I know that I can call them on Monday. My deal's funded in two days. Right. Um, right. And it, it solves the problem of me having to go out and look for money all the time. If I've got an endless well on the front end, now, I don't want to be in those things long-term. You can't. But, you know, once you collection of these things, you can then go to your community bank and say, hey, I've got this, you know, loan uh, I'm doing right now. It's like, I think like 6.4 mil. You can go and say, hey, I've got this loan, got these properties. 
take it to the community bank, they refinance you back out and then boom, now you got a loan that, you know, if you want to sell some properties out from with those community banks, you can sell properties off. And, and we're doing that now too. Like, you know, if, if you got something that appreciates, you know, a couple hundred grand and the rent only went up, you know, 600 bucks, you need to be able to sell to take your couple hundred grand instead of your extra 600 month cash flow. But right, community, right. the ability to do all that stuff. That's why I, and, and dude, they're dying to do business with us. They really do, but they just want to make sure they have the right operators and the right, right type of properties. Yeah, right. Makes yeah. sense. So, so I, I hope I explained it a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's totally clear. So with 250 plus rental properties, and by the way, I think I know the answer to this question. But with 250 plus rental properties, I think some people watching this or that will watch this later are curious, like, why the hell ain't you just laying back doing nothing and just riding your uh, your cash flow income? Why, why do you keep pushing? Why are you pushing for 400, 500 more? Like, what keeps you going? Well, I think there's a I, I was actually uh, I was in Key West uh, on Thursday, Friday, and I was sitting there um, and like. My little entrepreneurial epiphany was I was down in Key West and I'm like, man, I felt free. I'm like, dude, I want freedom. And then I was sitting down there again um, on Thursday, Friday. And it's all stuff that I know, but I didn't know how to actually put it into words. And I'm like, dude, mm -hmm. it wasn't freedom I was after. It was purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, dude, it, I'm, I'm either going to be the one to do this or Wall Street's going to end up doing all this stuff. Right. They're going to be the one that controls thousands and thousands of homes. And I'm like, why, why can't we do this? And then, you know, maybe, you know, there's some social aspect on the back end, you know, where I'd sell some stuff off to homeowners. We're already doing some stuff like that where, you know, we'll sell particular homes back off to homeowners or whatnot. But it's purpose, man. I mean, there's, you know, 30 people in our organization now, um, half that are here and then the other half, you know, overseas. But, you know, you start employing people and then you start employing them to do do more and higher level stuff. And, then you see how they change and then you start getting an education world a little bit and you see how their businesses change. But I never wanted to be that guy that like got into education. It's like, Oh, I don't do anything. Like I want to have, I want to have a business that, that runs and, you know, besides just doing education, uh, it's just purpose, man. It's purpose. And you know, when you feel, when you wake up and you want to go to work every day, like, dude, mm -hmm. trust me, that's a lot, that's a lot better than freedom. Oh, that's, mm. that's an advantage that most people don't have. So that's amazing. Um, no, that's huge. Yeah, and and with that did being I, said, did I tell you? Uh, did I tell you what I, you thought you were gonna hear? Yeah, tell me what I thought I was gonna hear. Oh, no, 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 he's no. asking. I, I, I was asking. <clears> is that is that the an, is that the answer you thought he was gonna say? Yeah, yeah. I thought it basically what I think about when people ask me this question is, um, we I like doing the hard shit that other people can't do or they have it in their minds that they think they can't do and i feel like if i'm capable of doing it i have a duty to step up and do it and i also like everything else you said i like i like growing a corporation i like providing great jobs with great benefits to the people in our local community i like seeing people grow with us um i mean and i like working with people that i like and that also like me we've got a great team we're having a great experience each and every day um, I even kind of like this guy a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, these well, are all things that feed into like what you call purpose, right? It's the purpose of um, what you want to do each and every day. And like a lot of people don't don't have that advantage. They don't have that opportunity or capability, right. or at least maybe they don't think they do. They don't think they do. And a lot of it, too, is just levels and their view of the world. You know, when you're 
I don't know, like me, I was a corporate guy. And when I was a corporate guy, I'm like, man, I just got to get out of here. Like I could only see the world through this lens of, man, I just got to make my 10 grand a month passive. Right. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Right. A month, man, 10 grand a month. Then you make 10 grand a month. You're like, oh shit, I'm bored. I need to figure out something else to do. And then you're like, okay, I'll go out and make more money. But then you realize it's more purpose. It's more impact. Like those are the things that actually fill your bucket, man. And you don't really even see that until you experience like some freedom in your business or some freedom in life. And then you start realizing there's a lot more to this, this thing called life than there is just making money. Yep. 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 Great point. Great point. So what, what are your, what are your goals for the year? And then I want to get to potentially what can be some of your long-term goals, but did you preset goals for this year? And are you on track to, to meet those goals? Dude, I actually, I don't set, I don't set long-term goals. Okay. Um, I'm different. So I, I, I set quarterly goals. Um, okay. And so for like, for, for me, um, I, I, every quarter goal I set this year with the exception of buying a lake house, I hit. Um, so I said like, you know, Hey, I wanted to get a new personal residence, hit that. Um, you know, we wanted to buy shit. I think it was like, and I don't know, 30 some, whatever. it ended up being like 50 grand in, in net, um, uh, or, or in a uh, GOI. We hit that, um, sold all my apartments, got that out of the way. So everything I wanted to hit for the most part I hit, but I try to look at like, man, what would most people try to do in a year? And then I try to condense it into, into a quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like right now, man, I mean, I've got a kid on the way in like a month. Oh, so no I'm, way. Mm -hmm. Congrats, man. I So for me, it's like, I'm just, I'm dialing in, like I'm looking at everyone's job in, in our company and I'm like, if you spend five seconds doing something that's irrelevant, I want to know about it. I want to write it down. It's a bottleneck and I want to remove it somehow. So I'm just trying to tighten up all those screws and loose bolts and all that stuff. So that way I can like really be out of here for at least two months. So, I mean, I'm not even coming back in until Q3. So as soon as the baby comes, I'm, I'm out. They're, they got to figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Baby yeah. on the way, mad bills to pay. Yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I've never, I've never been out of this place for like eight weeks straight. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Cool. So, so being that you don't have a long-term goal, you don't set long-term goals, you kind of go quarter to quarter. Uh, from what it sounds like, is yeah. there kind of a status where at least you can step back and you like and just take a look at things and like, wow, I did that. Is it like a thousand, a thousand single family rentals, or is there anything that you've thought of in the past where it's like, wow, you know, I I kind of really made it at this point, even though you won't stop pushing forward. Yeah, for for sure, man. So like you, um, I think you, you got to gamify this shit at some point, right? To to bring some some metrics to it out of your <clears throat> Yep. you know, just because or anything like that. Um, I know for me, you know, um, I mean, I, I've sold a significant, I, I, we did have like close to $45 million worth of real estate, um, trying to pump that back up to 50 before the end of the year, even though I sold off a, a good portion of those apartments. Um, so that, that's one goal before the end of the year, um, trying to get at least 10, at least 10 in our, uh, in one of our alternative investment accounts, um, trying to get another 10 in another investment account. I mean, those are, those are yearly goals. Are we going to hit them? I don't know. I'm going to try like hell. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you got to gamify this stuff at some point or else, you know, you're, you're just, you're just doing it just to do it. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. Hmm. So with that being said, um, what, what, what is the thing that keeps the team moving forward, keeps the team 
crunching numbers, you know, keeps them like, like if, because right now, like for example, just to give you an example in our business, um, we have a, a yearly goal of hitting $8 million, right? $8 million in revenue. We have a TV up in our office and our sales floor that basically shows all the profits that we make per deal. And then it shows um, where we are year to date total. And then we have kind of like a, like a speedometer, right? That moves a little bit closer to the eight mil, right? And so the whole team sees that and the whole team is vested in trying to hit that goal. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, Sometimes I see like the end of the month, you know, I see people in the team like crunching numbers, like, and they're all, you know, talking amongst themselves. Like, are we, you know, we're, it's the end of the month. It's, you know, April, it's about to be April. We closed this much this year. Damn. That means we have to do this much by the rest of the year. That means we have to do this much every single month. Like, fuck, we got to step up like, yo. And they, you know, they call each other out like, yo, you got to step up, man. I need more deals and whatever. Right. So like, what is that? Um, I, I, we, we never, we, well, we just started doing that last year, putting an actual goal to the company, right? And an seeing exposed goal, yeah. An exposed yeah. goal, right? <laughs> and then just seeing how the people, you know, live by it. Um, and so, like, if you don't have that in the team, what keeps that, you know, what, what keeps everybody pushing, like, to a bigger purpose, to a bigger thing? Or do they all know, like, Hey, fifty million dollars worth of real estate is what we're trying to buy. Yeah. And it's just kind of not yeah, really, I, you know, it's like an unspoken goal, but everybody kind of knows. Yeah. So for and I'm just curious. For, not, it's not a number, man. I mean, the people that I've surround like most of my team is came off of social media and they see how I operate as a person. And it's, mm. you know, I mean, I, I have a very, very diverse team. And I think having a diversity amongst your team is is huge, right? But you know, I have mate, I have maintenance people that, that that are here, right? They have different goals than you know being invest personally invested in my personal real estate portfolio. You know, mm, oh, that's true. I didn't think so about that. I'm looking at okay, what are your guys's personal goals? How do I help you as a leader hit those? Okay, help me hit these. I can help you hit those, right? right, right, right. That are that might that are here that. Um, you know, this is a, a great career for them. You have some people that want that are trying to take higher level roles and want equity, right? And we've already created a spin-off of one of our businesses because we have essentially five different companies underneath one roof. And you have different characters in that company. Like this uh, ridiculous board behind me that I hate is our construction board. It's archaic, but we bought a construction company in uh, August of last year. It's archaic. <laughs> And, you know, you have different characters in that in that company. Right. So you got to look at, hey, man, what's what's their goals? Right. So for me, man, it's about trying to get invested in what is important to them. And in every quarter, I'm steering the ship like this, like with the team now, I'm like, hey, guys, there's no like numerical whatever. Like they know that, hey, we're trying to buy, I think, another like 25 doors um, before uh, before the end of the quarter. But for them, it's it's like we're trying to tighten up all these screws, all these nuts and bolts, because I'm not going to be here for, you know, six to eight weeks. And when I'm not here, I want you guys to be able to run this thing fully on your own. And once you can prove that, well, guess what? There's going to be other opportunities to open up to you. You know, like I haven't promoted a a COO. Uh, We, you know, I am the CEO. I haven't promoted a CFO. Um, I haven't promoted certain positions on purpose, but they know that, Hey, once this quarter's over, 
these are things we're working for now. We're working for, maybe we're working for equity. Maybe we're working for a higher position. Maybe we're working for certain things. But the reason I like doing it by quarter too is I can, I can then, like we get into this business to be able to do, to have some freedom, right? And yeah. so I know that, hey, if I do want to, if I do have a kid, I can return the Titanic over this way. I don't have to be as invested in this one thing. I can maneuver if, if the market, dude, if let's say rates go up to 9%, are we going to be buying rentals? Is crazy? Yep. No. I, I feel that. I uh, feel that. Like, Owner dude. finance, baby. Owner finance only. <laughs> See, he's already <laughs> I love it. No interest, but, Mr. Seller. <laughs> But you got to be able to steer the ship in this real estate business, man. True so that, right. you know, and especially, you know, because we have the acquisitions, we have the, the the flip company, we have the construction company, we have the rental company, we got the opportunity zone fund. You know, we have these different things. You know, education now, shit, it's another one. Um, you got to be able to steer the ship, man. So I, I want to be able to navigate, however the market tells us yeah. to navigate. So, so everything you just said, all of the different you know, things that you've got going on, the different directions you're going in, the buy and hold, the flips, the, um, the wholesales, uh, now construction company, uh, sitting property management. You. Yeah. Is, is there anything else going on that we don't know about that you've got going on? Uh, yeah. The only other thing I really got going on is I'm, I'm actually doing my first commercial, like big commercial deal, which I'm excited. Oh, gym. There's a gym there too. Um, so we actually just got our last price reduction on that yesterday. So we're down to, uh, we're buying this thing for 1.8 mm -hmm. and you know, we, we, I know for sure this thing's going to kick out at least about 30 to 35 a month and grow in the net. Um, so wow. I, I'm super, super excited about this thing. And, and what, what a, is it? What is it? It's an old historic bank building. I've been a partner in a gym since, and I was like a 10% partner when I first started. I'm now a 50% partner. Um, but it's it's in an old bank that was built in 1878, and uh, you know us and the landlord we butt, butted heads for a long time. You know we took this gym over when it it wasn't it it it, it sucked. I mean at one point it was losing like 30 grand a month, uh, but then they didn't do a lot of the work that they said they were going to do. So you know it was just like a cat and mouse type of thing. Finally got it. I finally was able to get it under contract. Um, I think in like March. Yeah, early March. And um, yeah, man, I mean, we, they were asking like 2.8 for it. I got them down to 1.8. So mm. super excited about that. I think that I really think this thing will be worth about six to six and a half when I'm done. And it's, you know, yeah. very iconic building in, in the city of Columbus. Uh, it was the first telephone call made in the state of Ohio. I think one of the first. Oh, wow. Um, so there's a lot of cool things. It's like a, it's a, it's a big legacy piece, but excited to, uh, Excited to, to work on that too, man. So, when, when you buy a building built in 1878, I mean, what what's going on in your mind throughout that purchase process? Because I'd I'd be freaking out. I'd be uh -oh. freaking out if I'm not buying something 2010 or newer. I'm freaking out, dude. I um, I, I'm just thinking, is this thing gonna fall down? Is this thing? Gonna <laughs> <laughs> Better have some good ass insurance. Oh, yeah, that's shit. what I'm thinking. They don't insure that shit. There has you know to what be. though, man, uh, Don? Like they make they made these buildings in the 1860s, 70s, and 80s to to stand forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are I mean, dude, right. they just right, don't right. stuff like that anymore. Right. Um, I mean, we could actually take this building up if the city would have let us another four stories, and it would it would hold. I bet you there's a leak somewhere though. 
There's a there's always a leak, man. Always a leak. <laughs> there's a leak in fucking 2019 build. There's a fucking there's a fucking leak in 2022. You got, you got walls that are you know feet you know all types of feet thick. Um, you know we found a safe in this building too. There's actual an actual safe that's uh, we think no one's been in there, but we think that it's like a, a 14 by 20 room, and it should be according to the the building schematics, but. I mean, there could be some gold bars in there. I don't know. I'm like, let's close on the building first before we Hell open. Hell yeah. There. So, all right, we're popping back in. I think our screen messed up for a second. So, if oh, you, okay. do you see a black screen? No, I got you guys. Okay. Okay. Cool, can cool. you can you you can hear us though, right? Oh yeah, I can hear you guys. I can awesome. see you guys and hear you guys. All right. So perfect. so how old? So the safe was there when the building was created, right? It was yeah, it was there. Um, it was just one of those things that was kind of blocked off and. Uh, you know, as we started getting into the building, we, you know, we're like, oh, there's a safe here. This is uh, pretty wow. sweet. Let's try to figure this thing out. Dude, that's funny. Dude, you've got to document that for sure. Hell yeah. I, we, we, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, definitely going to document it and go through there, have some fun with it. But, oh, but yeah. Dude, keep me posted. I think I might want to come there upon that safe opening. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, let me, uh, let me make sure you got a straight jacket on and then we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I still got teeth, brother. We'll uh, grab yeah. something. Yo, and and we're gonna bring our team when you open that safe. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, we'll get you guys some workouts in, man. Hey, oh, yeah. really, really quick, and I, I know I'm gonna go back to something boring, but what one thing that was interesting to me was that community bank hack. How did you figure out to go to the smaller community banks or especially to the smaller community banks that are right outside the metro areas? Right. So in 2012, when no, like everyone thinks like if you were in real estate 2012 or 2013 or even 14, like it was easy, dude, it was way harder to be in real estate back then because no one was lending money. Hard money didn't exist. Um, you know, people were still scared. And so when I realized, like, well, if I can't, you know, I, I got to find money somewhere and I would go to Chase, I would go to, you know, Bank of America and all these banks and they, they say, no, we, um, you know, we, we don't do loans like that. And then I went to one bank called Guernsey bank and they're like, yeah, we do port what we call portfolio loans. And I'm like, Oh shit. What's a portfolio loan. They're like, yeah, this is a loan that we underwrite. And then, you know, we can make a little bit more decisions and, you know, we, we do all their underwriting in house. I'm like, Oh, how do I get one of those? And I ended up doing like my first, I think two or three with them. And then I realized, Oh, it's these small local banks that, um, the half that, that I mean, that they're underwriting and keeping all their own loans instead of, instead of selling them back off. You guys still on here, by the way? Yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. on here. Um, but, yeah, lost- <clears throat> um, but yeah, and then I realized that in, 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 this, in the actual city of Columbus, not a lot of these banks existed. But if you go to these almost rural or farm communities, these banks exist everywhere. And they have a lot of farm money that they don't know what to do with. So they're heavy on deposits not heavy on loans but they have to take to make loans with deposits in order to uh in order to function so uh it was just one of those things i kind of figured out man and i'm like wow this is this is a lot easier than trying to go to chase or like a huntington or you know anywhere else or trying to stack up your 10 because everyone's like oh how do i get past 10 properties you got to go to a bank that's a, you know that's gonna hold their own paper once right. you figure that out right <clears throat> Super interesting. Farm money. That's what we need. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, man. These old guys, they just, you'd be surprised. These uh, banking committees 
And it's usually like an old guy that had a farm and then now he's 65 years old and he's on the loan committee because he's got, you know, five million bucks in the in the bank that he just leaves sit there because he's he's real scared about his money. But sure. then that five million, they've got to go and lend out 50 million right. because he's got right. five million in there. So they got to go make 50 million dollars. So um, yep. it's just I don't know. The more you get into it, the more you kind of learn and you network with these guys and I don't know, you kind of figure it out, man. Man, that's that's awesome, man. I think we got some work to do, bro. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We got for some sure. community hey, bank work. We, to we do. have to beat the hedge funds. We gotta go. I know we're a virtual company, Dom, but we gotta go hit the streets. Dom, we gotta stop selling to hedge funds. <laughs> that's what Terry. <laughs> uh, he drilled that into my brain two weekends ago. So uh, yeah, I'm like, stop selling to them. I think that was after uh, after a couple of Bud Bud Lights or Bud Heavies or something. I never like even told him I sold to them. He goes, I know you, bitch. You're selling to hedge funds. I was like, everyone's shit, selling you to hedge funds. Fucking read me. Oh uh, no, dude. Um, I, and I, it's not that like I have a huge problem with. I mean, I do. Um, I'm not gonna say that like I haven't created. The, I haven't done the ultimate sin either, but. Um, <laughs> I would just, I think that people just need to own their. Hey, Terry, those who haven't <laughs> sinned, go ahead and cast the first stone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, so I'm he, not saying perfect, man. But, did you, you sell know, your apartments to a hedge fund? No, no. Uh, they, no? Were a local, they were a local buyer. Um, they mm. owned shit, 20, I think, no, like just north of 2,000 units uh, in the state of oh, Ohio. Wow. You know, there was are, human are you going to be mad when they sell to a hedge fund? <laughs> they can do what they want, bro. They can do what they want. Hey, man, I just... Uh, Stipulation I just, on I, the contract, never sell to a hedge fund. I'll give you a good I deal. Love Terry Summers. People be able to invest in real estate, man. And, sure. you know, the way that we invest in real estate, it, it's going to change. It is going to fundamentally change. Right. And I just, we don't become like Europe or Australia where like you can't buy anything because right. you go to right. they pass things down from generation to generation. Yeah. No, it's true. It's by these massive corporations and now we're getting there in our major metros. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You go to those it, European countries. Nobody wants to sell. They just. Nobody wants to sell right. and nobody buys. Nobody buys yep. over there. Yep. Yep. Like, lucky to buy. Right. And then we're, right, we're right. like, what are we doing? Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, since we're at the tail end of this thing, I know a lot of people are eager to to learn more about you. Where can they go to follow you or to learn more about oh, you? Fuck. Sure, man. Um, you, you guys can hit me up on Instagram. I'll answer your DM. It's Terry, T-A-R-R-Y, Sums. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook, too. I answer my DMs, Terry Summers. Um, LinkedIn, not so much. But you can also also find me on TikTok. Trying to pump that up a little bit, pump up my mm, rookie name. dancing but on TikTok at, at Terry Sums. Uh, yeah, nothing else. Yeah, you know, it'd be or, dope, Terry, if you change your Instagram handle to I answer DMs. <laughs> I don't know if my wife like that too much, like, she don't want me to answer every DM, but you know, that's true. Hey, we're eating dinner, you know, what are you doing on your phone? Yeah, no, oh, we hear it too, man, but yeah, um, no, and um. I'm, I'm just, I'm here to help, man. I'm here to be a resource to, to people. So um, if you guys need anything, hit, hit me up, find me on Instagram. That's the easiest place. And, um, you know, let's stay connected. Hell yeah, That's man. awesome, Terry. Listen, man, we really, really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us and sharing all the information. Thanks a lot, brother. And, uh, you know, great luck to you going forward for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and all right, then, guys. Uh, you guys soon. All right, oh, yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have to come, come check you out, man. I'm a little jealous that 
Dom went out to that trip and I didn't get to go uh, get drunk with Terry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on up, man. We got the Monopoly match. Hey, trust me. I also got violated too, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you like every moment of it. Hey, hey, I'm not complaining, man. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying what happened. All right, everyone. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. You heard Terry Summers on the Cash Geeks Network. Guys, I'm Dom. And I'm G. And we are the Cash Geeks Network. Network. We'll see you guys next time.